ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility. And from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, you Break iFix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools. It's true. And it's also easy to visit youbreakifix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break iFix. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Farmers Insurance Open from Toy Pines. What a great tournament we have this week coming up with this deep field. Of course, I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambellini. Tyler, it's good having you back on the show. Last week was rough without you, buddy. Yeah, man, I missed you guys. I missed you, Kenny. I'm happy to be back. A uh, little bit of a breather with some travel last week coming back from the DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship there with the Gups Corner guys. Uh, it was a fun time, but yeah, I missed being on the pod, and I listened to you, man. I thought you sounded pretty good. You know, we joked before we get on here, but my, my favorite two remarks, one, one was the smoke and the cigarettes. I love that. And then the second one was when you said you ran out of liquor, so I felt bad for you, man. I, I knew you need, I know you need your podcast juice to keep it going. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it, it was rough last week just because it snowed for like three, four days before the pod. I had a whole bunch of beer. I took the whole weekend off or I had a whole bunch of liquor, drank it all and didn't save any for the podcast. So definitely that hurt. But I mean, I'm going to smoke cigarettes all the time. I need to quit. I know everyone talking about on Twitter. I need to quit smoking. Yes, I know I need to quit smoking. But it's not fucking easy. So we're, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this. This this yesterday. Uh, 
pretty impressive day. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the uh, the, the, the the NFL playoffs. Chris, uh, Adam Long, what a life changing win uh, oh, yeah. for Mr. Long from being I don't know what was he like 450th ranked in the world. Uh, you know, barely playing. He made he made the the PGA Tour this year. Played like six events, made one cut um, in his career. So I was talking to this guy, Justin Bates. Uh, he's a uh, he follows me on Twitter at jbates underscore golf. He used to play in mini tours, and uh, he played in the Canadian Tour a couple of years ago as well. And he, and he was talking about how hard it is for these type of golfers who you know don't come up and you know start well right away we have to grind through all these mini tours which 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 is what adam long did he's 31 years old he's been a pro for a while now and he started with all these mini tours one thing i didn't realize so adam long made about five hundred thousand dollars in his pro career on mini tours the web mckenzie tour or latin american tour or even the smaller tours than that and so what i didn't know is in a lot of these mini tours um justin bates he told me that you have to pay an entry fee so of course, you know, there's going to be expenditures for travel, lodging, transportation. Every week you go play in a tournament, but then you have to pay these entry fees to actually play in the tournament. So a lot of these mini tour events, it's a thousand dollar entry fee and the top, oh, oh, you have to finish in the top 15 to break even. Like the, the top 15th place gets a thousand dollars in prize money for a lot of these mini tours. So if you're not finishing in the top 15 uh, in these mini tours every week, you are losing money. So, you know, when it looks like he's made $500,000 in his career talking to Justin, he thinks that he actually lost money being a professional golfer. Um, you know, it, it, unless he had backers or sponsors and backers and stuff who paid for his thing, but he had to pay all that back now with the money he made yesterday. So yesterday was literally a life-changing day for Mr. Long. Uh, you know, he gets his tour card secure for two more years. Actually, three years if you count the rest of this year. So that's pretty large. And then he, um, he you know, he makes over a million dollars. Uh, and then that 18th hole, was just stone cold nuts. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. He had that lie on 18 on the bottom where the ball was lower than his feet. Uh, and he had to hit like a long iron, stiffs it within what 10 feet, has this right to left putt, which, you know, as right handed golfers is the putt that we like to see. But still, with Phil right behind him and Adam Hadwin, great bunker shot to save par, looking at a three way playoff. He just stone cold nuts it in the back of the hole. Amazing stuff. Great tournament. Um, you know, how did you do? What did you think of the tournament last week, Tambo? Yeah, I thought it was excellent. And like you just said, that was like some Kobe shit at the end, man. Just stone cold killer assassin just plops it in there, 13 feet, whatever it was. And not only that, then you walk up in front of these two dudes that everyone thought was winning this tournament and just stuffs the putt, punches the air and says, it's mine. I got this. So incredible ending for sure. Sort of came out of nowhere. Um, I had a I had a bit of a feeling. I, I posted on Twitter earlier in the day. I, I'm going to get into the headline business, but I said Adam Had doesn't win, comes up short to long, and and that's what ended up happening because I could just feel this kid was just coming back and making shit happen, and I didn't feel like Phil was going to go wire to wire. Uh, Hadwin, you know, it's been sort of his mo here. He makes a lot of money at this tournament, but I uh, can't quite close the door. So sad day for Canada in that sense, but he still made good money. He, you know, his name's still up there. He's getting some more confidence as he grows. 
Rom, man, geez, I took him in one and done. I could have done a lot better. He missed a bunch of shorties at the uh, at the second half of yesterday. Still shot and, sixty six. Know, you know, it's, it looked like he played like crap. It looked like Ron yeah. was not playing very well, but he still shot a sixty six. That was pretty yeah. incredible stuff. Go Rom, on, J, J, yeah, those guys, Rom, JT, those sort of types of you know DJ special talents were playing their B or C golf, and and maybe it's their B golf. Say it's pretty good still, but they're not playing their best golf, and you know it. And they're still right there in the mix, just riding up the board, which is scary for the guys in front of them too. You got to think a guy Taylor Gooch, very impressive. Uh, another one that we'll talk about here for this week. And then my boy, Don Bozelli, I wasn't on the pod last week, but I was thinking him again. Uh, you know, he got back in to another one there, and it just worked out, and he did work again, this time a top five. So uh, good for him. Overall in the week, DFS-wise, was mediocre, lost a little bit total, but uh, it was mainly just, you know, the back and forth all week. And if you didn't have enough of Mickelson, which I did not, that's sort of where you saw your money teeter all week long. And then when he faltered a bit at the end, and then when Hadwin – Fell out a bit at the end. It actually boosted some of my lineups that were anchored by Rom and whatnot because they were falling out of spots, and I was right on the cusp of so many of those. So worked out okay, but I'm really excited to get back to it this week. A lot of research put in already early, so I'm feeling fresh. Yeah, I definitely – I had a good week. It was a winning week more than last week where I only won like 20 bucks. Uh, this week I won like 100 bucks, so I had like a 25% <laughs> return on investment. You know, but that's the, that's the way I – me, I think me and you are very different. I, I'm very different than a lot of players who play DFS. Like my goal is to – play every week and not go fucking broke you know so i am extremely extremely conservative uh when it plays so i what i usually do is i play about 400 bucks each week four to five hundred each week the first two weeks i played around 400 around there close to it and, and i play like 45 percent cash double ups and i play 55 percent gpps and the reason i do that is because every time i win in cash i use one lineup uh, i know that I'm going to have a winning week there because I mean, I'm not going to lose everything in GPPs because the way right. I do my roster construction and my lineup construction with the amount of golfers that I have, you know, I'm using 30, 35, 38 golfers a week, nobody more than 50%, nobody less than 10%. And so doing it that way, even if my highest owned guy fails, I still have options, you know? And so last week, you know, I had no fill. Uh, I had no Hadwin and I still only lost, a very small amount um, in GPPs because I had plenty of Gooch. Uh, I had plenty of Glover. We talked about Gooch last week on the podcast. That was a, one of the highlights. I had plenty of Glover. I had a rack of Canley. I had Rom was my highest owned golfer. So it ended up working okay. I lost like 20, 30 bucks, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that in GPPs, but I won in cash. So I won overall for the week. So it was a good week. And that that's my goal. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not good enough at GPPs to play every single week just GPPs because there will be weeks where I lose a shit ton, you know, and, that, and that's just the way it's going to happen. I need something to counterbalance that loss when it happens, and that's why I play cash, and that's why I have my cash game cornerstones, which went three of four last week uh, with Kazire being the only one missing the cut. But luckily it was a Cantley, I think uh, – uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who they were, but all the other three guys scored more than like almost 100 points. Varner, um, Cantley, uh, over 100 points on DraftKings. And then, you know, I only had four of six through. It was a tough week, uh, but I ended up easily cashing, like top 20% in all double-ups uh, that I played because I, I, I had in 
uh, as my one of my other two cash game plays that I didn't well, it wasn't my cash game cornerstone. He did well, well over 100 points uh, once again. It was Zach Johnson who was the other one who started slow and scared the shit out of me, but he slowly came around, got a bunch of good amount of points, didn't do as well on Sunday as I liked him to, but by then I was already in the money and there was no worry. Um, so that was, so DFS wise, it was pretty good gambling wise. It was a fucking wreck because I had a piece of every. <laughs> I had a piece of every single golfer in the top six at some point in time, either live or something like that, or, or beforehand, except at all. You know, when I was getting uh, Bazzelli at 150 to one just after his second hole uh, or something like that, I, I added Gooch at 120 to one or something like that after his second hole. You know, just to just to throw some couple of dollars out there with these guys. And, and the one guy that I didn't do that for was, of course, the guy who won. So it was pretty fucking gambling wise. It was a pretty fucked up day, especially when you take into account that play in New Orleans that cost me a shit ton of money right there. That no call pass interference. Oh, yeah. So it was just a brutal gambling week. But that's that. I mean, that's going to happen when you gamble on a week by week basis. <laughs> and so um, that didn't go that well. But overall, good week. Great tourney. Good event. You saw Phil. You saw Adam. The guys who play well, um, you know, pretty much on that course. I know Adam Hadwin does all the time. Uh, really great event. Good for good for Adam along. But let's uh, let's move on. You got anything else to say about that tournament? No, good to go, man. Let's talk about Tiger. Uh, before that, uh, let's, let's talk about the listener let's, league first. Let's, let's do the, the league listener first. league here first. We actually had a tie up top for the first time here in a while. Yeah. Uh, 594.5 points by Nutsky Mikkel and Ed Kerbs. So let's go over Nutsky Mikkel's lineup here first. Uh, with John Rahm at 24.5% finishing in sixth. Patrick Cantlay um, at 33% finishing in ninth. Zach Johnson, he had um, two of my cash game cornerstones right there, uh, finishing what? 28th and 21%. Kokrak, who sort of flew out, flew out of nowhere, Really good tournament for him, at least DK-wise, scoring 100 points. Only 3% owned in the league, finishing in 18th. Um, Adam Pru, uh, one guy I did talk about, but I like Gooch a little bit better last week, which is nice uh, because I had about 15% uh, Gooch and only about 10% Pru. Uh, he missed the cut. Uh, he was at 2.5%, and he had your boy, uh, Bazzelli, uh 8% at finishing in 5th. So solid lineup. What you guys say about it? Yeah, I mean, I liked it all around. I love Cantlay. I love Johnson. If I had been on the pod last week, three out of well, four guys that I would have had was Cantlay, Johnson, Rom were all guys I was really strong on. And then I talked about my boy Dom, the Dominator, Dom Bozelli. So you know, Kokrak, like you said, came out of nowhere. I did like Alex Pru. I, I liked him a little bit more on uh, Fanduel, where the Stars and Scrubs seems to be the best way. And so I used him over there, and actually in one of my main lineups, he was basically the minimum. Uh, overall, very solid lineup. It was interesting that these two guys in the top uh, spot here that tied had pretty much completely different lineups. I think they had a had Rom the same, and that was it. Yeah. And ended up on the on the same score. So if you want, you go through Ed Curbs if you want. All right, let's go through Ed Curbs lineup. He started with Abraham Answer, uh, which I will roster in every event for the rest of my life until he wins, and I will, ro- will bet on every week for the rest of my life until he wins. I think he's going to be an ama- a really, really good golfer. Uh, Abraham Answer, 17% finishing uh, in 18th. Um, John Rahm, like we just said, 
Harold Varner the third, one of my cash game cornerstone picks who did pretty well, over 100 points, uh, 19%. Uh, I think he finished uh, top 20. Sung JM, another he's a guy I used in cash that helped. He ended up with 99.5 points because I forgot he bogeyed 18. So that dropped him underneath the 100 points, but it still helped for me. Uh, 28% for him. Uh, Sam Ryder, uh, 40th place, 7.5% owned. And Jonathan Bird, he was uh, so this guy actually had six of six through uh, and tied. Uh, and, and, and the other guy, um, Nuts, Nutsky Mikkel had five of six through. So really good lineup by uh, Eddie Curbs, just because uh, it was tough getting six of six through. It was like under 2%, uh, I think, in most GPPs. So really solid job by him. Uh, anything you, you, you want to mention about that lineup? No, the, the John Bird call, that's super sneaky. I mean, he does seem to pop from time to time. So uh, He was the only uh, guy to, to own them. Only guy that owned them in the league. Yeah, just a consistent – I mean, for a cheap $6,500 guy, and he's made cuts everywhere. So it made sense. He was sort of getting those DraftKings points in that way, and he just happened to really do decent here to get a 57th and score some points that way. But, uh, yeah, everybody else in the lineup – Sanjay M, awesome pick. Ryder is always the guy that you can uh, take in a GPP hit or miss. I like Varner quite a bit, so he was in my mains as well. And so that was a good choice. And then answer, like you talked about him last week too – uh, I think you did the same thing as I did because you keep saying like when he gets this win, it's just because he, he won overseas, right? He just won in November after everyone wanted him to win the week before on Twitter. He went overseas at the Australian Open and won at like, I forget what the odds were. It was decent enough still, but it was just nobody tracked him overseas and he ended up getting a W there. And that pissed me off so much because like you just said, you want to bet him all the time yeah. until he gets it. That's, that's what happened. I bet him a bunch of times. He didn't win. And then I forgot about it when he went overseas, and then he ended up getting a win at the Australian Open over there for uh, – I forget what it was now. I think it was – I feel like it was 60-1 to 1 or something. It was solid odds, and I was pissed. He's good, man. Uh, I, oh, he, yeah. had, he, had, he had one stretch in the middle of the tournament and it cost him. Uh, he still finished yeah. top 20 last week, but he had that like 27-hole stretch in the middle of the tournament with easy conditions, easy scoring courses, and he had like – he shot like one over. Uh, you know, yeah. in those in those twenty seven holes. So that means in the other what? Oh, my math sucks. I'm Asian. My math sucks. That's weird. In the other forty five holes, he shot seventeen under. You know, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. There's just I don't know what happened in that little stretch this past week, uh, but he, he he should have finished a lot higher than he did. All right, so let's move on to uh, the farmers. Uh, you want to talk about Tiger first, or no? Let's let's do let's do the course first. Let's we'll we'll stick to it. You go with the course first. We'll That's the, the elephant in the room, though. You know it. I know it. Everyone yeah. knows it. So yeah. I'm excited. But we'll, yes, let's go ahead with the course preview. We'll talk. Let's go. All right. So the PGA Tour is in sunny La Jolla, California, this week for the Farmers Insurance Open. The Farmers, <coughs> excuse me, will be played on the north and south courses at Torrey Pines. Uh, golfers will play both courses on Thursday and Friday if they make the cut. Uh, they will finish with if they make the cut. They will finish with two rounds on the south course. Now, even though the north course went through some you know major renovations a couple of years ago, it is still by far the easier of the two courses. Not necessarily easy, but the easier out of the two courses. Golfers will need to take advantage of that one round here because the south course is a monster. And you've seen winners here. That's what they've done. Um, you know, in the last few years, uh, first off, I think the last five winners, five or six winners started on the south course and then played the north course on friday and if you see the last few years 
everyone's shooting it in the 60s. I mean, I know Jason Day shot 64 last year. I mean, Scott Stallings, when he won a few years ago, shot 67 on the North course. Uh, the only person that hasn't in recent memory is Brant Snedeker, but he went ham over the weekend uh, on the South course, and that's how he won uh, this a couple of times. So they really have to take advantage of that one round at the North course. And I think I'll go into this a little bit later, but I think that gives it a, a disadvantage more to the people that don't play this tournament that often. Uh, you know, if they've played Tory, you know, at the U.S. Open 10 years ago or something like that, they might have, or they go into California and want to play course. Most of the time they're going to play. A- the rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. South course and not the north. That north course, one round, super important. It, it's going to be very important this week. Uh, now, the South Course, of course, it's a monster. One of the longest courses on tour and one of the more difficult as well. No golfer has shot uh, – uh, uh, I'm going to say this. One more thing about the North Course. No golfer has shot over par on the North Course and won here since 1983. Now, weather can play a huge factor as both courses are situated near the ocean and are susceptible to trade winds. Uh, three years ago, we saw winds whip so hard during the final round. Scoring averages for that final round inflated to nearly five strokes over a par. Now, looking at the early forecast, the wind doesn't look like it's going to play a major factor. But weather forecasts are often wrong, you know, so check the forecast closer to the line of lock to make your final decisions. Now, before we move on to the course, uh, courses, a couple of stats uh, jump out at me about this tourney. First off, eight of the last ten winners at Torrey Prounds had a previous top ten at this event. Also, nearly 40% of all winners here have had some type of California connection, either going up and living in California or going to school here. Uh, This, to me, reads that, you know, course experience is more important factor than usual. And I talked about that a little bit earlier. We'll talk about that more as it goes on. Uh, You know, this sort of makes sense since California is basically the only state in which tour players regularly see POA and the Greens. All right, so let's get to the courses. North course. The north course of Torrey Pines is 7,250-yard par 72 with four par threes and four par fives. The par fives are all reachable by most golfers, and there's also a drivable par four. So these are scoring holes. Uh, Scoring wells on these five holes and that drivable par five will go a long way into a golfer making the cut. Uh, Tom Weisskopf redesigned the course here in 2016, adding a little bit of the length, widening the fairways, removing bunkers, and enlarging the greens. Now, off the tee, golfers will see average-sized fairways with thickish rough. There are a few trees and fairway bunkers to worry about, but not much less uh, than the south course. On approach shots, golfers will see larger greens than they have in the past, with bunkers guarding most putting surfaces. Uh, the greens use bent grass and are newish, so they should play firm with a stint meter rating of around 12. I know POA is right next door, and POA is basically a weed. So, like, you know, when the wind blows, it could just bring that POA seeds over to the bank grass, and it causes a little bit of a, the, the um, what is it called, when they, both the grasses grow together. So you see a lot of POA bent, you know, combos over there. Supposedly it hasn't happened yet. Supposedly these greens are super pure, still bent grass, and they're going to be speedy. Now, the south course at Toy Pines is a 7,700-yard-plus 
par 72 behemoth with four par threes and four par fives. The par fives are lengthy, averaging around 590 yards, so only the longest of hitters have a chance of reaching all four of these holes in two shots. This course is one of the hardest on tour and plays between three and four strokes more difficult on average than the north course. Off the tee golfers will see narrow tree-lined fairways with plenty of bunkers to dodge. Only around 50% of fairways are hit on this course year in and year out. The rough around the fairways is pretty brutal. Uh, you know, the Kikuya rough is going to be, you know, at least two and a half inches tall, pretty gnarly. Uh, a lot of the holes here uh, at uh, the south course have a slight dogleg right, and uh, right-handed golfers that play a cut off the tee have been known to thrive here. On approach shots, golfers will see average to small size greens that are usually narrow in width and lengthy from front to back. Uh, the putting surface is multi-tiered with a good amount of undulation. These greens are protected very well with large bunkers and thick rough. Now, most of the bunkers guard the front of the greens, which makes approach shots tough, uh, especially since most of the greens slope from back to front. Now, even though a lot of the bunkers are in front of the greens, most holes do leave an opening uh, in front of the greens, so golfers will have a chance to run up their approaches if they hit it in the rough off the tee. And it's a pretty big uh, factor when it comes to this week because there's going to be a lot of run-up shots because there's going to be a lot of uh, you know, tee shots in the rough. Now, when the pin is located near the front of the green, expect a lot of long approaches with fast putts coming down the slope, the birdie or par. The greens use Poana and are very quick with a stip meter rating of around 12.5. Uh, Tyler, what kind of golfers are you looking for this week? Yeah, you talked about a lot of it, but a big one. So distance for sure. Um, scrambling a little bit because if they're if they're going to be off the green, then obviously that's you know sort of where I'm getting the feeling it's going to be that they're going to have to be able to scramble well around the green game sort of thing. I looked at it last year too with Jason Day. That was a bit of the game that was involved there. Um, opportunities gained on Fantasy Golf National. I still look at it just because uh, it sort of makes some sense from the you know more than the greens and regulation so to speak. So I want to see who's ha- who has those opportunities inside of 15, whether it's there or not. So. Uh, looking at that and then just bogey avoidance it's it's sort of a it's not what we're used to you know we've talked uh, I wasn't on last week with you but all these other weeks have been scoring fast and 20 under and last week pushing 30 under and, and now we're going way back to you know where sometimes the cut line is over par so uh, I'm looking at some guys that can grind it out a little bit some some experience that you talked about some history uh, and then this week too talking just you know we don't normally bring this up right away but you brought up um, the you know the two courses and with the course preview there is some definite advantages which would have been talked about last week with the multiple courses to stack some waves or stack some some course times and so we'll get into that I'm sure as we're going through it today as well yeah uh, just a couple of other things that I'm really looking for uh, par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards you're looking at a bunch of par fours that are long I think at six or seven are going to be in that range every day uh, long irons is another one that I'll be looking at. Proximity from 175 to 200 yards, 200 yards plus as well. It's going to be a bunch, I'd say around seven or so per uh, per round, maybe even six or six, six to eight, just depending on how far they hit their drives, shots per round from that from those proximity ranges. So those are other, a couple other things. But, yeah, everything else you said makes perfect sense. So let's actually get to the field this week. Let's start off with these 10K golfers here on DraftKings. We're going to go all the way from uh, Jason Day to John Ram. Who you got up here? Who you fading? 
Yeah, so uh, I like them all. I mean, there's a lot of good guys here. Like I just mentioned, I guess I'll get into it now, is that obviously the south and north course are, are a bit of a thing here. So um, somebody posted today, I forget who it was, but I, I monitored it since last year, and I and it says, and you know, it's been true, is the winner seems to always come from the south course first. And a lot of people like to stack the north course because like you talked about, it's so good to get out to that hot start with the north course being a – the course you can sort of tear up a little bit and get your scores out and get get your head right that way but i kind of like i i can see why they would be coming from the south course because i I think of it like from a mental standpoint is if you can grind out that south course even if it's even par and then you get to go into the north course you're probably making the cut it's if you get into trouble on the south course early i can see how your head can just as easily get out of it and then it's tough and you have to hope everything goes your way on the north course the following day uh, but it kind of gives you that little break, too. If you do well in the south, you get to go play a little bit easier north course, jump into the two more days at the south. So uh, I, I don't mind that. I'm going to have to wait and see what some of the tee times are. That's going to dictate a lot of things. So I'm just starting with sort of a disclaimer in that sense. But I still have uh, all my picks here. Uh, I think Rom is the easy one. Uh, the guy, I know he's the highest price again, but I think it uh, stands true. The, guy, the guy's been phenomenal at almost every course he's played. His rounds under 70 are insane. Uh, just fits the course. Obviously, done well here in the past. We know that already. So uh, I'm I'm okay with Rom, but I do like Rory. So last time out that you and I were on together, we talked about. You know, I said I was going to wait and see Rory and see what he looked like first, and I thought he looked awesome. I know that he crumbled on Sunday again that week, but uh, you know that's the worry with him, right? Is he going to get out ahead and then close on, and then not be able to close on Sunday? So probably lean a little bit more Rom than McElroy. Um, Day at the bottom, I'm going to skip Tiger and Rose for a second, but Day is uh, maybe lower owned. I think he'll be lower owned than we even think uh, for a previous winner, which will be surprising. So he'll be one that I look at sort of which which, uh, course he's starting on and then what the ownership looks like as the week goes on. He's very interesting to me from a GPP perspective. I think he he doesn't get the ownership that he should. Uh, And then my first T3PO of the week, uh, we talked with Elf in the Room with Woods. I wanted to hear, I guess first, what's your take on Woods this week? Which Tiger do we see come back and play? I think the Tiger that we see come back is going to be the Tiger we saw at the end of last year. He's going to be a solid golfer. Uh, I don't see any issues with his game. There's no injuries. This is Tiger. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be Tiger from 10, 15 years ago, uh, but, you know, the guy who's in contention week in, week out. Um, The worry I have this week with Tiger is, uh, you know, he hasn't played since, what, the hero, a little bit of a rust uh, in his game. And, you know, with age, you know, it could make a little bit more of a difference for him. Also, he's going to be extremely popular. Tiger's always popular i think even with Rhodes, and i think you're right about day i think day being between woods and Finau and rose and leishman and all that could lead to lower ownership for day uh but with tiger i i i think I, i'm gonna fade him this week um just because the other guys around him i think have a better shot at winning this week uh, i'm not saying yeah. tiger doesn't you know what i'm saying i think i think tiger's gonna be in contention every week that he plays but I think the guys around him in this 10K range, he is my least likely to win. Him and Rory would be my least likely to win. Just because Rory is – I'm doing a wait-and-see approach with Rory as well because I think a lot of people are going to talk about him never playing the, this tournament ever in his life. And, and, and that makes a difference, I think, um, here. And I think it really makes a difference on the north course uh, because I think he can grind out, you know, He's played in plenty of U.S. Opens, you know what I'm saying? I mean, tight fairways, you know, thick rough. He's done that before. Um, Long courses, he won congressional. He's done that before. The worry I have is can he get 
the bonus he needs in that one round at the North course. I know it's only one round, but it's pretty freaking important. I mean, last year, if you look at Jason Day, when he won, he shot 73 on the, on the first day on the South course, you know, was seven, eight shots behind the leaders. Uh, but then he went, goes ahead, shoot 64 uh, the next day on the North course. So, Right. Uh, so that you know, I I I, I think Rory is at a disadvantage, especially on that North Course, not knowing how they play. The one thing Justin Rose did say about the North Course here, when they changed the greens, the bent grass, is they become a lot harder to read, uh, and you know, and that's where the experience comes in. Also, how often does Rory play Poa? Uh, I guess he plays the Pebble. Uh, before, but not often, you know. So, you know, the big thing about Rory is Kenny Putt. You know, T the Green, he's going to be amazing. It's Rory, Rory Macro. T the Green, he'll be fine. But can he make the putts to contend on a course where he's not used to the grass, uh, where he hasn't played before, where there are undulations, subtle changes, breaks in the greens, where you have to be there for a while to actually pick these things up, especially in tournament play. So that's why I worry about Rose. So Rose and Tiger are the two guys that I don't know if I'll play. Now, now, now granted, if Rory is projected 10% or less, 12% or less, it might be worth throwing, just from a game theory perspective, uh, a little bit, of, little bit uh, on Rory, like you were talking about for when he played uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and I think it's possible. You know, with Rahm and Rose and Day, uh, you know, Rahm and Rose around, it's possible. So just keep an eye on that. But I'm just with you. I like Rahm first. I like Day second. I like Rose third. We can talk. We don't even need to talk about Rahm. Day, you know, you know, short game extraordinaire, uh, putting extraordinaire, putting. you know, loves this course. And then you got Rose who, you know, with the new irons that he has, which was a big shock to a lot of people after having his best season ever. Um, you know, he looked pretty good for those first three days. And I was like, all right, I'm definitely in on Rose for a Tory. And then he goes and shoots, you know, loses two strokes uh, on approaches on Sunday. That worried me just a little bit. But I think, he, you know, he still had a decent round. Still finished, what, 14 under in his first event, first time playing there. I think he knocked the rust off. I, I do like Rose as well. Yeah, lastly, I'll say that's my first T3PO of the week is is Rose over Woods. That's I want to get your Woods take first to see where you're at. But uh, I'm, I'm like you. I think it's just first time back out. Uh, there's going to be a lot of hoopla around it. Everyone's going to be out there for him. I think as far as, like I said, I'm going to be targeting uh, mental aspect as well. I'm not saying Tiger doesn't have a good mental game. I just think it's a big thing when he's coming out for his first time, all the stuff from last year, turning it around, getting that win at the Tour Championship. The fan base is going to be as large as ever here. And I think Rose with those irons, like I said, I know the, the last little bit didn't look too good, but I, I think he's still comfortable. I think he's okay. Uh, we'll talk about another guy who made a change here uh, with something else shortly. But I, I think that Rose is fine. I think his mental game's strong. His experience here is pretty strong as well. Eighth and fourth, last two, time, two times out. And it'll be tough to see how the ownership goes, but uh, I do like him just based on ownership and popularity. I think Tiger always garnishes some, uh, even if they come out pretty even. To me, that's still bad considering I think Rose is much better than Woods for odds to win the tournament here, regardless of history. Uh, this isn't Tiger Woods in the early 2000s. So all the Tiger haters are going to come at me, but uh, you know, or, or all the Tiger lovers are going to come at me for being a hater. But I just think it's a spot where I'm definitely going to take Rose anytime, even if it's even uh, against Woods here for tournament. And at the end of the day, I also wouldn't mind starting some lineups, depending on things as they come out with just Rose and leaving 
Rory because everything you talked about, and Rom just because you know he's going to be popular as the most expensive with the history he has here and how well he's been playing. One quick thing about ownership is on these stacked and loaded fields, it, I think it's very important to have a, to be a part of a site that gives you ownership projections. I know right. Fanshare Sports does it. Uh, I know Fantasy Golf Insiders, Fantasy Labs do an ownership projection. Uh, there, there, there are a bunch of sites out there. Fantasy National Golf Club does the favorite tagging thing where you can get an idea of ownership. In these, in these stacked events, you know, finding you know, these guys 9,000 and up, maybe even 8,000 and up, all these guys can win, you know, and to find that little bit of a advantage when you play GPPs is going to be trying to find the lower owned guys that have upside. And, and, you know, like I said, if if Rory's 10%, even though I said he's never played this course, I probably wouldn't play him game theory wise. I'd probably have to play him. So, you know, especially in these, um, these deeper events, you know, getting ownership projections from whatever site that you could think of or you're a member of is super important. But let's move on to this 9,000 range. I'm going to start off with my fade. And it's hard to find reasons to fade a lot of these guys up top because they're all so fucking good, you know. But my first fade up top is going to be Tony Finau at $9,900. I know uh, if Brad was here, he'd kill me. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's going to be Finau. and, And here's my reasoning. He has good he has good course history. He's played this course well here over the past, but he has not played, I don't know, since the hero. So it's been oh two months uh since he played uh, a professional event. Now looking back at, at his first event back after the winter break as a pro, here's Finau's results. Um 2015, he played the Sony after after the winter break, he missed the cut. 2016, he played the Sony, he finished 64th. Now, it could just be because of the Sony, but then you get the 2017, where he played the Tournament of Champions, finished ninth, which sounds good, but in a field of 36, that's about top 25 when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to a, a full field event. Now, the thing is, he did finish 25th in Sony the next week, which is the best He's ever finished at Kapalua, and that's after playing the week before. That's the only time he's ever played uh, the, the week before uh, for the Sony. And then last year, first event back from a winter break, he played the Sony. He finished 32nd. So I think it's going to take Tony a little bit of time to get the rust worn off. I think if he doesn't come out strong, especially if he starts on that – if he starts on a south course – you know, maybe he can grind it out and do it better and get get a little bit of you know professional golf out, in, out under his belt and do well on the sa- on the uh, on the north course the next day. But if he starts on the north course, I really worry about him because if he doesn't go low there, he's not going to have a chance. So Finau is going to be my fade, and I know it might sound a little bit of fickle, but with all these guys up here that are so strong, you have to find reasons to fade a few of them, and that's going to be my fade. So fade up top, ninety nine hundred Tony Finau. My two cash game cornerstones, two of my cash game cornerstones are going to be in this range, and they're in the low end. It's going to be Charles Howell III at $9,100. Mr. West Coast, I don't think you can go wrong. Top five scoring average here all time. The guy loves his course. I don't think even think he's missed a cut. And he's played here, what, 15, 18 times or something like that. And, you, you know, you want to make the cut. That's what cash is about. Okay, cash, double ups, you know, 50-50s, you want as many people, you want six of six, that's your goal. You get six of six through to the cut, you're going to win 98% of the time. So that's why also I'm starting low. 
my strategy this week when it comes to cash games, double up from head to heads, is I want as many golfers over $8,000 as possible. The drop off in talent is so. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Precipitous from the 8K range and up to the $7,900, $7,000 range and down. Look at these names in in the in the low 8K range. I know I'm skipping a bit, but look at these names. You got Hideki, Grio, Answer, Keegan, Snedeker, Cameron, Champ. You know these are the guys that are on the lower ends of this price range. And then you look at the guys in the high 7K range: JB Holmes, Berger, Wise, M, List, Horschel, Palmer. You know what I'm saying? CT Pan. Uh, these guys aren't in the same level as the golfers that I just announced above them. So I want five golfers in my lineup over 8K in cash. And the reason, the way I'm going to do that is I'm starting low with Charles Howell III and Gary Woodland as my second cash game cornerstone pick. Even though he missed the cut the last time he played, he was dealing with some personal issues. Iron game strong. Crushes par fives and has improved on this course, um, you know, year in and year out. So those two are going to be my cash game cornerstone picks. I've been talking for a while. Tamba, who do you like? Yeah, I'm opposite on fee now, but I also, you know, just a, I, I a think, message I think a, here. I, I think a lot of people are going to be opposite. He's my, going to be popular, but I would that's said another reason. His ownership yeah. is going to be huge. And if he's going to be massive, yeah. so there's a, a tournament perspective to fading him for sure. But I, with Fino, in my opinion, I was going to say he's good chalk because you know. But I always get him wrong. Last year, if I went off him, he went. I tried this game all last year. I'm doing it again this year with Champ. It's just guys like those that are so uh, polarized that it's just so tough to get it accurate because at 9900, it seems insane. I like I like what you're saying with the with sort of these balanced structures. But I even made a note to start some lineups with Fino. Uh, and fit him in as your first guy because I actually think from a from an outright win perspective, from the history, he's already done well here. You know, DK points, he can come in ninth and still have you know some of the most points. So for me, you know, I, I got to go with him and I got to start some lineups with him, fade the top, and that's how I'll get a little bit different with him than just being on that you know thirty or thirty five percent owned. That's one way to differentiate yourself is to not go. Rom Finau or Rose Finau or Tiger Finau like guys will do and just start your lineups with Finau so I still like him I'm gonna go with him talk more about him later as well I do like Leishman um you know been on fire lately under under 10k as well seems crazy for him because just what I know the guys above have to be more than him but yeah he's been playing so well lots of experience here uh really pressing for another win recently I think in his last three starts he's got a fourth third and a second uh, in some order so he's doing Love Leishman as well. I do love Leishman as well. 
Yeah, so, solid play. I don't know. Like I said, again, if you want to you know, pivot off and maybe put it so that either start a lineup with Fina and Leishman or put it in your uh, head or when you're building your lineups and you optimize or whatever, that you're you're not going to put those two together because Leishman is obviously a great pivot play, not on my list, but one that you could do above Finau with that ownership Kenny just talked about. Um, Got to go with my boy Ricky. Uh, talked about uh, someone changed some stuff earlier. He changed his ball. So, you know, he said he's going, he, when I said he's going from the uh, the Titleist, the one everybody used, the Pro V1, to the TaylorMade TP5X, which is, I, I think, a pretty good ball. I'm not a great golfer, but, you know, I, I use that ball quite a bit. And I like it. And uh, he'd said, you know, that everyone's going to be scared from it, I think. But in the article that I read today, you know, said he's got months of practice with it, stuck with it right through from Ryder Cup, really dug into it almost uh, Bryson-esque with digging into how the ball's made. Why does it do what it does? practicing with it 24 seven. So it doesn't really scare me. Um, you know, 9,300 is a fair price. I uh, definitely, I think where he deserves to be right now with his play last year, but I still think, uh, you know, not just the Homer in me, I still think an excellent talent that is priced appropriately at 9,300. Uh, and it might take a little bit of the ownership away from the other guy there. Cantlay. Uh, you, you didn't mention Cantlay, but I, I think Cantlay is going to be extremely popular this week. And I still like him. Uh, I just think there's other guys there. Cantlay's great tee to green, uh, good approach last week. Uh, just couldn't make putts, really. Um, you know, still did okay in the tournament. Still did very well. But it, with that price drop that he got, I'm okay with it. Uh, 9,200. And then, you know, we didn't talk or, or we normally don't with our picks before the pod. Um, but I, I kind of like, I had uh, Woodland. Is, I still think he'll be popular too. But I think a lot of people are going to go to Hal, like you said, with his course history, West Coast swing, how good he's been lately getting that win and then turn it on from there. So, uh, I like Woodland uh, to bounce back. He had a little bit of a miscut, the thing with his grandmother passing, everything there after his uh, his outing. But uh, I got him over Hal. Pretty good course history himself. It's worse than Hal's by a, a few spots each year the last three times out, but it's still a 12th, a 20th, and an 18th. I think he's a much better golfer this year than he is those years. We've talked about that enough. And then his stats all line up pretty well across the board as well. So uh, my second T3PO is going to be Woodland over Hal. Uh, straight up, I'm not going to use any Hal full fade on that one. Yeah, I like Hal more in, in cash than I do in GPPs, but you know it, it's a lock for me at that price. The way he's playing, uh, Charles Howell the third in double ups in 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 fifty in uh, fifty fifties, it's a lock for me for Charles Howell the third for for cash game cornerstone sense. for Woodland again. The stats just make sense. The golf game is too good, and the price has been too good for the way he's played. And like I said, the strategy wise, I'm going with cash. I'm going to go as many guys over eight thousand dollars as possible this week. So let's move on to this right. eight carryings. And the big story is going to be Jordan Spieth up top, of course. What are you doing with Spieth? For me, complete fade. Not playing Jordan. I don't give a fuck if he's. I know a lot of people were saying whatever his odds were, forty to one. Not even laying the bet. It's too short for me. The guy's shown me nothing. He's been doing nothing. His game sucks. I am not playing Spieth until I see something. Even and the only way I will play Spieth, if he plays like this for the rest of the time, the only time I'll play him is at Augusta because for some reason it doesn't matter what his form is. He plays well there, but I, no Spieth, never again until he shows me something. What about you? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I agree with you. I do. It's just like I say, when you see – I'm not into the bet thing at 40 to 1. I don't think uh, – He's going to win this tournament, but when they price him like this at eighty nine hundred, it makes it kind of tough uh, from a GPP perspective. Game theory just still too expensive. He has, he has, I agree. I know what everyone's going to say. Nothing, nothing. 
If he if he does though, I, that's the thing. I and see nothing. I still believe in it. I still believe in the bounce back. So I'll have a little bit of Jordan Spieth. I got to stick with him. I ten three was last time out was probably the wrong call, but I just thought you know that's sort of the same thing as the Tiger thing this week. You get a look at him at that, and then if he does nothing, I know he's Tiger, so he'll always stay a bit higher. But Spieth has done nothing. You're right, but I think for just the overall talent, the the career trajectory is certainly on the downswing, but I don't know. At 8,900, I'm going to have to have a little taste. Not too much. He's not even close to one of my favorite plays in this range. Um, but if we're talking 8K and up, I think the other guy to talk about, I'll, I'll let you go through it, but what's your take on Hideki at 8,000 at the very bottom? Yeah, you got to play him. Uh, he, he's shown me way more than, than Jordan Spieth. And, and I'm, because, let me just look at his iron play. Uh, it, it's just too good. Um, I mean, Spieth isn't bad. He's 30th in strokes game approach here uh, in the last 50 rounds in this field. But Hideki's ninth, uh, first in his last 12 rounds, uh, second in opportunities gained here, uh, not here, but in 50th uh, in this field uh, in the last 50 rounds. He's second in opportunities gained. He's exceptional from uh, from with his long irons, you know, fourth in the field in proximity for 175 to 219th in the field from proximity to 200 plus. Spieth isn't anywhere near. He's outside the top 100 in both of those stats uh, in the last 50 rounds. Uh, Hideki's too cheap. I, I'll definitely be using him. Um, not necessarily one of my cash game cornerstones, but I'm probably going to play him in cash uh, because it's just too cheap, too much upside. What about you? Yeah, I like him. I just I want to get your take because I was going to say he's he's certainly done a lot more. The one thing that scared me was, you know, last time out, I think it was the, the Sony was 51st. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. But, you know, the talk before that was some of the, the Asian tour events that he played in where he didn't do well. And some of the guys that were $6,300 or whatever on DraftKings that had played well over there, like uh, Shugo, uh, you know, he was outdoing Hideki of those and outdid him again. So, uh, 8,000 super fair price. Like I said, I'm not going to go crazy. I think it's an awesome GPP play. I don't think people are going to get behind it as much as they say they will. And there's a, a little bit of a hedge I got on him. I'll talk about that after too. But um, some of the guys I like in this range, Cam Smith, uh, 8,800 bucks, you know, play him over speed for sure. Uh, 20th year last year, he always goes under the radar. He's been solid. Last year was a really good year from overall. Um, showed up at a, you know the Masters and whatnot, and, and I forget what the other one was. I think it was the PGA. I can't remember. The, there was another uh, major that he showed up at and, and did really well. So, um, But, yeah, he was 22nd at the Sony. Uh, putting wasn't really going well. He won the Australian PGA event um, over Leishman. So, you know, he's a guy that's shown up recently in a lot of spots. And at 8,800, I think he'll go overlooked. Um, go back to the well on uh, Alex Noren. Runner up last year, sort of got uh, screwed by JB Holmes, if you remember. And then uh, Cam Champ, 8,500. I got to play him. Like I said, I, I might get both these guys wrong. I'll play Finau and him, and they probably both do bad. But uh, driving distance upside, better price finally. You know, I wasn't really liking Champ early in the season when it's 10.5 or 11K or whatever they want for him. But 8,500 is, uh, is a fair price. And then the other guys I really like here, I would say, are Keegan Bradley. Um, fourth and fifth, last two times out. Uh, he can pop. I, I really like him. I, I think he wants to do well this week because here's what I'll say. I know he did well last year and still showed up because I was there, and I'm going there again to the Waste Management Phoenix Open next week. Um, but I remember last year on Sunday, guys yelling to him, are you hopping on the jet and going to see the Pats right away? And he looked over and just like nodded like it's going down. And then this year, what happens again? The Pats are in the Super Bowl. So 
Uh, I think he's going to try and do really well this week so he can make sure he doesn't have to worry anything about next weekend and he can just be there watching his boys. So I like Keegan for some upside, a little narrative street there. Uh, and then I'll let you talk about your boy answer, but one more guy, Grillo. Again, you like you said, this range is just stacked. But uh, Grillo wasn't bad at the Sony last time out. He got 22nd as well. Really couldn't just – he just couldn't make any putts. Um, and then 12th here last year, pretty good grinder, avoids bogeys, sort of chops away. He's the guy that I'd love to see start on the south because I know he'll keep it together and then feel good about it looking at the leaderboard and then go into the north fired up uh, and be able to go from there. So sort of like what you talked about with Tony earlier, I totally agree. If you can get these guys on the south first – where they're looking, you know, they can grind through it, make a day out of it, and then feel good about themselves going to the next day, they'll turn it on in the north, and they have the upside to do so. Uh, what about your boy Answer, though? All right, so the answer is definitely my third cash game cornerstone pick this week. Like I said, I'm playing his ass every week that I possibly can. Uh, the one, the, Some of the reasons why I do love him is, you know, he's not the longest guy off the tee, but he's not necessarily short, but he's fifth in strokes gain off the tee, which shows to me that he hits a ton of fairways. That's going to go a long way for him. He's also uh, avoids bogeys really well, and has been exceptional on long par fours. And that's a, that's a big thing this week. He's third in this field, in this field. With all these big names, Abraham Answer is third in the field in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. Really good with from 175 to 200 yards as well. Last year when he played this course, he was one of the only about three or four golfers that did not had a bogey-free weekend on the south course. No bogeys last year, Saturday and Sunday at this tournament. Um, he's playing exceptionally well. Answer is going to be my third cash game cornerstone pick. I do like Cam. I love this range. I'm going to be playing a whole shit ton of guys. The one guy I'm not playing, Cameron Champ. The reason why, what I worry about him is the courses that he has played so far and dominated have been easy birdie fest courses. This is his first time as a pro playing a course that is tough, you know, U.S. Open type tough. Maybe not that tough, but pretty damn close. They played an open year, what, 10 years ago. So that's my worry about Cam. Can he take the advantages that he has with his length uh, on a course where if you miss the fairway, you're going to have to play a different type of shot onto these uh, greens, different type of approach shots. The places that he's been playing, he can hit anywhere anywhere off the tee, and he still have a nice you know, shot from the rough to make it on the green with a wedge or two. You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing. In proximity, from 175 to 200 yards in the last 50 rounds, he's 98th in this field. From proximity, 200 plus, he's 80th in this field. So that's my worry about Cameron Champ. I'm not playing him this week. I think the course is going to be too tough. But I one guy, GPP-wise, I like Patrick Reed, $8,700. Uh, I think his around his short game is what's going to be big for him here. He's one of the better short game players in this field. Uh, his putting hasn't been great lately, but he's been known as a good putter throughout his career. And that's sort of what led to Jason Day, you know, playing here last year. That's what Snedeker has done when he's won here a couple of times. Relied on that short game. Relied on that putting. People, You know, 50% of all fairies are missed. That means a ton of greens are going to be missed too because people are going to be playing out of the rough. Everyone's going to be even in that aspect. So I like Patrick Reed uh, as a GPP play, but I'm playing a whole ton of these guys. I like Snedeker. I like Keegan. 
Uh, you know, Norrin, I'll play. Cam, I'll play. But the Reed's one of my favorites. I got my cash game, cornerstone, answer, and my fade and champ. So let's move on to this 7K range. Tambo, who do you like? Kick it off with Daniel Berger, 7,900, uh, right out of the gate. Um, normally don't do this, but I'm going to chase. I thought he looked pretty good last week in the desert. Um, overall, decent week for him, similar to answer, uh, really, where he played well but sort of just had that one spot where he just lost it a little bit. He wasn't putting that well, um, making as many putts as he could have, I would say. So that sort of set him back a little bit. But uh, stats still pop for me, all the categories that I talked about earlier that I like, and I think at 7,900, he can still be a value. He showed me something last week, so I'll chase that a bit. Uh, the other thing is I think J.B. Holmes is going to be pretty popular here just because the course history talk. Um, so maybe good in cash games. I'm not sure if you're on him, but I know that uh, his results here are like a fourth last year, a sixth in 16, a second in 15. So yeah, he's going to pop up on people's radar. I'll probably have a little bit of him, but I'll try and get it leveraged a little bit in that way. Um, Luke List, 12th here last year, didn't really putt well. Um, so he wasn't that great in the desert, but he still came out with a 67 on Saturday. Uh, driving distance he's got. And then also I like uh, his price drop, huge price drop down to 7700 It's like 1300 bucks from last week. So he's a guy I'd be more inclined to go back to than a guy we'll talk about here in a minute. But uh, Billy Horschel. Stats pop across the board. Um, Grinder avoids bogeys, able to grind it out, solid scrambler. Uh, Obviously, we know with him, if his putter can just get hot, which it it does at times, that's a value, I think, at 7,700. I'd rather play Billy Horschel than Brandon Grace, who I've heard some people talk about being too cheap for his name value, but I really haven't seen anything out of Grace to to get me excited. So I really like Horschel there with List at 7,700. Uh, and then a couple more, and then I'll let you kick it uh, kick it back. But uh, CT Pan, uh, really like him. Thirty fifth and uh, second, thirty fifth and second here the last two years. Um, same thing. Couldn't couldn't really make a putt in the desert, but still got fifty first. Super consistent. Flashed upside. Uh, you know, Snedeker's got a good record here, and CT Pan finished second to him at the Wyndham. Uh, second here, like I said, two years ago. So I think he's a better golfer now than ever. I expect him to be able to show up. Uh, and then I'll go into my last uh, T3PO and I'll recap them. But my last one's going to be uh, JJ Spawn over Neiman. And I know that Spawn's a good play either way. I'm sure you're going to talk about him. But uh, Neiman at 7300 I think people go back to the well here. I mean, it only was a $300 price drop from last week. But price is still cheap enough. People weren't really hating on him. They are just waiting for him to show up and he – sort of popped a few extra birdies in at the end there just to keep the hopes up of folks and then disappeared. So I, I'm still suspecting a lot of people will go back to Neiman there. And JJ Spawn is, has got a 23rd and 9th here the last two years. Um, in 2017, he got a 50th in the desert, uh, but then went ninth here and 4th at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So uh, this is the time of year for him as well. He's sort of like how that West Coast swing guy – uh, really mediocre play at the desert just this this week, but he's also only seventy three hundred dollars. He was ninety one hundred last week, so uh, I got him over Neiman. So my three T three POs are going to be T- Justin Rose over Tiger Woods. Uh, probably not a full fade, but r- extremely high leverage there. Uh, Woodland over Hal. I'm going to fade Hal completely and just use Woodland if I'm using him in that spot, that price range. Uh, and then JJ Spawn over Neiman. That's going to be a full uh, full fade as well on Neiman. I'm not going to go back to him. Uh, I know it's sometimes good to go back to who you were on the week before and, and go back to that and chase it that way. But 
Uh, I don't think I'll have any Neiman this week as, as it stands. Again, I want to wait and see a lot of these things with the courses, right? Who's lining up where. If he happens to fit a lineup or something on a, a south-north or a north-south split when I'm building lineups, and then I'll probably have a, a little bit of Neiman if it fits the lineup. But I, I'd much rather fit Spawn in there at $7,300. Yeah, Spawn is my final cash game cornerstone pick. Uh, the guy hasn't missed a cut in 11 events. He's made uh, what, 14 out of 15 cuts. He's been a lot more consistent golfer than he has been throughout his early part of his career these last few months. Again, his, he has the home field sort of thing going. He's from the area. We, I told you earlier, like 40% of all people – that have won this tournament have some type of California connection. He's used to POA. He's used to these greens. Uh, so I'm definitely going to be a fan of him. You know, he still has a ton of opportunities gained uh, pretty often. The guy's been playing, you know, decent golf. It's not the greatest, but at this price tag in cash, I just wanted to make the cut. You know, and he's been really good par fives, which is another thing that I think is going to be very important, especially when it comes to these low end guys that you think, you know, you want if you're going to go this way in cash, uh, you know, in double ups and in 50 50s, because you want 66 through to get that done. You got to do well on the par fours, especially on the north course. I think Spawn should dominate those. He is my final cash game cornerstone pick. So my four cash game cornerstone picks for the week are going to be Charles Howell, the third at ninety one hundred dollars. Gary Woodland at $9,000, Abraham Answer at $8,200, and J.J. Spawn at $7,300. This leaves well over $16,000 to, you know, fill out the rest of your two lineups. So you can do whatever you want. You can go down low 7,000s, 6,000 range and get somebody else up high. I'm sticking with all five guys in the 8,000 and up range and, and, uh, JJ Spawn. That's how I'm playing cash this week. Uh, the guys that you talked about, I do love CT Pan a lot this week. I do like going back on Lucas, who burned a whole bunch of people last week. I do like your burger call. Uh, I'm going to throw a little bit on Sung JM. And the reason why is uh, he's been playing good golf. The guy's going to be a good golfer. You're going to you know, be first in the money list on the web.com. You've got to be good. The one thing that has improved, I've seen from his uh, web days, is, is his off the tee game. He's not necessarily the longest guy uh, off the tee. I mean, the thing is, uh, I think he's like middle of the road here, maybe below average in distance, but he hits a shit ton of fucking fairways. You know what I'm saying? And he's fifth uh, in this field uh, in strokes gained off the tee in the last 12 rounds. I think he's like 22nd in this field in strokes gained off the tee in the last 50 rounds. Really good par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. And one of the biggest weapons he had on the web.com tour was his putter. We haven't seen that putter yet. There's going to be tournament where that putter comes back to where it was last week or last year on the web. It's gonna and, he, and everything else is gonna come into contention. Him hitting a bunch of fairways, hitting a bunch of greens. That putter's gonna get hot here at some point in time. So I'm hoping maybe you know soon because I'm gonna keep rostering him until it happens. So uh, we're gonna go Sung J M uh, up top. Uh, I did like the other three plays. I'm going to go with Bo Hostler, uh, another kid who's from the area. I think his putting, um, you know, is one of the things that definitely keeps him up uh, in this range or in this course to do well. I think he has some pretty good course history here. I've been looking less at course history a lot uh, lately, but I'm pretty sure he has some pretty good course history. He played well here, I think, last year or the year before. I could be mistaken because I'm not looking at it in front of me, but I do like Bo Hostler. I like his chances on these Poe Greens. Uh, Neiman's a fade. 
again for me. He's been playing too shitty. Uh, I can't trust him. I'm going to be playing Harold Varner the third once again. The guy's been playing well. I'm going to try and 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 carry that momentum. But one thing I did uh, like about Harold Varner the third, you normally don't think of. He's ten. He's top ten in bogey avoidance in this field in the last fifty rounds. He's not making those big mistakes like he has last year. One flyer. Uh, guy that I am looking at is going to be Patrick Rogers at $7,100. Again, another California kid. Uh, The reason I do like him is because of his strength with his long irons combined with his distance and his amazing putter lately. He's been putting out of his mind. He's third in strokes game putting in the last 50 rounds in this field. But not only that, you look at his long iron play. Fifth in proximity from 200-plus last 50 rounds in this field. 22nd in proximity from 175 to 200 in this field. 13th in par-4 efficiency from 450 to 500 yards last 50 rounds in this field. I think he can make a good flyer GPP play down here, down below. All right, let's move on. Anybody else in the 7K range? Yeah, I, w- I didn't go low as you did. So uh, just the two to add. One is the uh, echo is Harold Varner. Uh, underpriced, I said, in my opinion. Eight- 18th in the desert. Uh, hasn't been great here the last two years, but all the stats that you just talked about are fitting. Plus, uh, pretty much last four times out, he's been awesome. If you look just at his DK stats even, uh, which isn't something I go by, you know, a lot of game log watchers out there. But in general, if you just look at him, he's had really good stats the last four times out. So I think he's much better now. He's another guy that's a better pro now than ever, like C.T. Penn, who we talked about earlier. Uh, I like Varner for just 7,200. And the other guy right there with him, like I said, you know, on all the pods, I'm bullish on him for the season, but that's Kevin Tway. Uh, upside, he's like, the, you know, he's like a Patrick Rogers-esque type guy. I like both those guys, actually, you just mentioned. And then uh, back to the well, you know, after nobody was on him really last week, and you talked about him in the Listener League, but Jason Kokrak, right? Looking, looking good in the desert, can pound the ball out there, solid stats, consistent golfer. Uh, top 20 upside, I would say, and, and he's another guy like Werner. If you just game log watch a little bit, you can see he's got consistent numbers that outdo his price tag sort of every time the last three or four times out. So uh, I like Kokrak as well at 7,100. All right, so let's move down to this bottom range. I'll start here up top in the 6K range. I sort of like Denny McCarthy at $6,900. The putter's been hot, um, you know, and, but he's been really good from 200 yards plus. And, you know, there's like three – par threes that are over that range. You're going to have a bunch of approaches on par fives from that range. Uh, so you're looking at he's fourth in proximity from 200 plus in the last 50 rounds in this field. He's also 16th in strokes gained par five in this field in the last 50 rounds. So putting par five, long irons. I like that low ownership. So I do like Denny McCarthy at $6,900. I'm going to go back to your boy, Boz. Uh, the guy's been playing too hot. I'm going to ride the momentum. Uh, and really good par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. Um, so that's another guy that I'll be looking at this week. Taylor Gooch, who I was on last week. Again, another guy pretty good with his long irons. Uh, you know, and, and after his performance last week, see if he can ride that momentum. Another guy at that price range, Sung Kang. Uh, and, you know, he's sort of off the blue, but when you're getting down to this range, you're going to be all out of the. You're going to be sort of off sometimes on golfers that you pick. The reason why I like Sung Kang, uh, he's Korean. Oh no, there's more. I also he's ninth in the field in proximity from 175 to 200 yards. He's 11th in this field from proximity from 200 plus. His long iron game was good, and he was amazing in Fast and Furious. 
All right, so let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that's the guy's name in Fast and Furious, right? His name's Sun Kang. Uh, also, isn't that the guy from Mortal Kombat? That's a pretty popular ass Korean name, right there. You can't you can't beat that. Uh, other guys that I'm gonna go here in this lower range that I do like. There is the Ortiz, you know, brother. Just one last week narrative. You know, maybe he could pull out something. Uh, he made the cut here. Uh, he made the cut last week. He sort of fell off uh, towards the end. I think he bo- double bogeyed 17, where he would have had a lot better finish. Yeah. Um, again, another guy good with his lo- long irons, really good par four f- efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. Uh, go ahead with yours. I might have a couple others. Oh, you forgot Seaweed Doug, your boy, man, from yeah, last year. Yeah, you I'll, said that's. I'm, I'm playing him. I'm playing him. There's no doubt. I'm not, I, I, I was saving that for the end. But yeah, yeah, I'm definitely playing him. <laughs> okay. Did, did you say you're going back to my boy Dom this week? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, cut out a little bit when you said that. I thought that's what you said. So, okay. Yeah, no, I got a few others. Um, Nick Watney, 6,900. Um, so he's he's kind of like the a little bit of a notes on him. I read a, quite a bit about him today, actually. But. Kind of like the Hadwin at the Desert Classic. This is sort of his tournament, Watney here, where he made his hay. Uh, he won the 09 Buick Invitational. This is way back. I'm just getting into the storyline here. But uh, it was at Torrey Pines, and then he had four top tens after that. But he's actually, because of that win and then all the extras, he's actually top ten in all-time earnings at Torrey Pines with the likes of Tiger, Phil, Sneds, Day, and Lee. Damn, Leishman. really? Uh, Nick Watney? Uh, Nick Watney, this is his spot, man. And he looked good last week, right. uh, even with the tough course draw. Like, he had stadium course, and he did well at it. He started on stadium course and still grinded his way out. And it could be the same thing here. I really like Nick Watney if he starts on the south because uh, he's got the, the feel for the for the course, the ability to mentally grind through it. And then he's been good in spots where he can score. Last week he still did pretty decent. So uh, I really like Nick Watney at 6,900. Um, few others. So Dom and Ryder Burgoon, I just put them into one bucket. I said, they're just sort of all guys down in this range that I'm always on. They're all very similar to me. They seem to pop on all the stack categories, the similar leaderboards worth a sprinkle at any event. So those are some guys there. Uh, I I forgot to make notes on Sam Burns, but I'm going to go back to Sam Burns. I like Sam Burns for 6,800 Gucci. You talked about, I'm going back to him. Ortiz, you mentioned, so 49th and 11th here, last two years out. Looked good past week until Sunday, but good value at 6,500, so I like him. And then the last two I've really got tagged up here. One is Trey Mullinex, uh, I, you know, short and sweet, but distance and upside, we know he has both. So I, I like him, 6,400. This is another spot, Just it's just flyers. Uh, and then Wyndham Clark, solid driving distance, looked good in the desert last week. Another one just worth a flyer at 6,300. Uh, but it's interesting to note, it's not just this week. I would have talked to you about it last week, Kenny, but they changed it where 6,000 is wide open now. And if you look, I calculated for the field, almost 60% of this field is priced, um, what did I have it? I think from 6,000 up to 6,900. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty normal for, for large events that you see now. No, no, I know, but it used to be, remember last, they, at one point they had it back to 6,500 yeah, as the yeah. minimum? Yeah, 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 yeah. And true. now they brought it back down again. So to me, it's significant because early in the season, you and I had even had a segment there where we talked about, you know, I like to keep everybody above sort of that 6,900, if not seven range. But I mean, there's always a guy at 69 or 68 that you can go to bat for, like a value like Watney I just talked about. But now it's a little bit different where 
you can mix and match your lineups up quite a bit because if they're going to have almost 60% of the field in this range and you, you really noticed it last week, a lot of these guys that hit the board by the end of it, uh, you were looking at guys, I mean, Von Taylor was up there. There was Gooch, Long, all, all these randoms. And I know it's a totally different event, but uh, you know, there's definitely going to be some guys at 60% of the field's price down here. There's going to be some guys that just jump out and get it done. And they're all going to be at extremely low ownership. Because we talked about the same thing we talked about. Everyone's going to do the same thing. They're going to try and keep their lineup in that balanced range. They're going to try and keep guys 7K and up. Uh, it'll translate from cash games into GPPs. So you got to sort of pick and choose your guys down here now with the way they've done pricing and just take some stands on them. Because if you end up getting three out of four right or four out of five right, you could be in for a very big week in, GPP, in GPPs without even really you know, knowing what you did besides the obvious of putting a few of these guys that no one's going to be on in your lineup but you can still have good reasoning behind them because just people aren't going to go down to these price tags enough. Yeah, I mean, GBP-wise, I mean, I'm going to go all the way down below because, you know, there's going to be some times where I want to roster ROM and, you know, day. You know, so the only way I, I make 80 to 100 lineups a week, the only way I'm going to be able to do that in GBP is to roster ROM and day is to go low. And so when I'm talking about the whole balance structure for for cash, it's for cash. For GBPs, you do what you feel, you know. I mean, with the, with the with the skills up top, I mean, it, stars and scrubs is going to be the natural way to go, and the only way to do that is to go down low. And I do like your Wyndham Clark play. I do like the Mullinax play. One guy that I'm going to go here, Sam Saunders at sixty four hundred dollars. There's another guy that I'll take a peek at. Just because he's been pretty good uh, with, you know, long irons, top 10 in proximity from 200 plus. He's long enough off the tee, uh, you know, top 25 in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards, 21st in strokes game par five in this field in the last 50 rounds. So I like that sort of combo. So Sam Saunders is going to be my last one. Any other picks before we move on to the betting segment? No, all good, man. All right. So let's move on to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates betting segment, now sponsored by BetQL from the bankers of RotoQL. Download the BetQL app on Android and iTunes. Um, they use uh, you know, an algorithm to help with your betting, of you know, to, to make your picks. Uh, they have uh, different. Uh, what other things they got? Go over Tyler. What what they do for uh, for for you for BetQL. Yeah, so it's a free app they got. It's just you can go through, basically the algorithms are there to help you define value bets. Uh, they don't have golf related uh, segments yet, but they're going to move to that. Um, you can sort of track the line movement so you can watch how the lines move throughout the day, which uh, in some cases, if you know a lot about betting or if you're into that segment, is you're going to be able to find line moves that work in your favor or ways to click back the other way and be able to double down. Uh, and then you can see all sort of the public betting trends. So I don't advise just fading the public for no reason, but you see it a lot of the times where everyone gets on one side and then you wonder what happened and why the other side won. Uh, if, if you hadn't been tracking it or monitoring it in some way, shape, or form, you can get a better sense of that into your sort of gut feel or how you feel about making the bet and make that in some, into some of your decision process. All right. So let's go. I'll go over my three bets this week. Uh, I'm not going to go very up top. I mean, the guys up top, you pick who you like and play. I mean, all those guys have a chance to win. So I'm going to go sort of middle of the road to start off with. I'm going to go um, Brant Snedeker at 40 to 1 will be my first bet. Uh, to a winner here, proven West Coast guy. The putter could get hot. He's been playing well, 40 to 1. I don't mind that number for Mr. Sneds. Uh, and then I'm going to go two long shots. Uh, I know this is probably not the best way to go about betting, but I'm only putting a little bit on these two guys, Bo Hostler. At 100 to 1. Uh, I like that number. Uh, the guy has performed on the West Coast here before. Uh, that putter can get hot. You know, I like I like people 
with long with you know long odds or you know cheap on DK that can putt well and get hot. And, you know, so that's one guy that I'll be looking at. And then uh, my last one's deep, deep, deep flyer. Uh, it's going to be uh, Denny McCarthy at 150 to one. After we saw uh, Adam Long win last week at 500 to one, I had to throw one crazy one out there. So I'm going to go uh, Denny McCarthy at 150 to one. Who are your three? Yeah, I added a couple more this week. I, I normally don't do a lot, but uh, if I'm doing it this way, I always bet one at the top. So I did take Finau at 19 to 1. I normally don't, but like I said, just the way this week shook out and I happened to like some long shots. So I can do it that way. I'm not going to have a bunch of guys in the 30 to 40 range or 50 range even. My next pick after Finau at 19 to 1, I grabbed uh, Matsuyama at 56. I, he came out early at 66 and I missed it. I uh, just got busy, but 56 to 1, I still grabbed him out with an each way. Uh, and then the other two that I got here, I got Spawn at 91 to 1 with an each way. And then I talked about Watney and my love for him right now. So I got Nick Watney at 176 to 1 with an Ooh, each I way. Like so that. I, I'll, I'll be throwing that in, definitely. Yeah, so I got four this week, but uh, that's what I'll stick with, man, and then see where it goes from there. But I, I normally don't. I, I joked with you on Twitter last week. I said, intervention time. I know you hit that parlay, but I was laughing because you're really into the betting scene now, and you're getting all over it, and that's awesome. So uh, I, I like to do it this way a little bit about mine, is I like to just get three or four guys up front that I like, normally like what you did, sort of split them up. Some weeks I will take someone around 19 to 1 or 20 to 1 range like I'm doing with Finau this week uh, and hope it's his time. But other than that, I normally like the guys that are over 50 to 1. Uh, I wouldn't have got anywhere near Adam Long last week, so I can't be mad about missing out on that one. But I know I look back on Bet365 with uh, Mike Miller, Smart smart Golf Bets. His spreadsheet shows it so you can just find it quickly. And I went back and looked, and on Bet365 opener on uh, on Adam Long was 600 to 1. Yeah. And, and I would have been able to each way it, but I mean, I looked this week at some of the guys in that range. There's a few, but I don't think that's happening here. I just thought it was funny, but 601 would have been something to talk about. Life changing for him, for sure. But for somebody who bet that could have been massive as well. If I'm going up top, I sort of do like the Woodland number at 28 to one. Uh, so that's, I actually put some money on him at 28 to one this week. So I do like him. I do like Decky. I, I was way late on that. I only got 40 to one uh, by the time everyone, people bet the fuck out of him by the time I was able to get it. But I put that down on there too. All right. So that sounds good. We ran a little bit long this week, but there was a lot to fucking talk about the first like real, real, real event of the year with all blame these tiger. great golfers. Yeah. Blame tiger. That's the way it is. All right. So uh, Tambo, tell them where they can find your work. Yeah, gubscorner.com article every week comes out there, Tambo's Tea Time. It's got the – basically it's the three pivot options that I talked about on the pod here, a little bit more in-depth on them. Uh, and then I add a couple so that there's a few more that you can uh, – there are a few overall that you can see, but two extras at least uh, from what I talked about on here. Uh, other than that, just on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. If you don't already have me on there, add me. Trying to be more like Kenny and post a few things each week that I can – try and be supportive and helpful with if I find something I like that you guys can take on or, or do what you please with. All right. So follow me on Twitter at Kendo VT. Um, find my work at powerhourpod.com. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a, a good podcast, a little bit long. Hopefully you guys win some money. Tiger week, uh, which I'm fading, which I'm worried about. Let's win. Let's win some money. We will see you next week. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, 
action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.